I want to share with you some thoughts from Psalm chapter 22 today. Psalm chapter 22. I want to just let you know off the bat that uh, most of what I'm going to share with you today are not my original thoughts. They come from a message uh, by Neil Whitman, who's a pastor out in New Brunswick in Canada. And he preached this when he was visiting Kingston not too long ago. And you can look up the full sermon of his on Sermon Audio. Uh, but Psalm 22 is a cherished psalm to the Christian because the opening cry is spoken by the Lord Jesus while he hung on the cross in Matthew 27. Verse 1, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? And why are you so far from the words of my groaning? By quoting that first verse, Jesus was in fact appropriating the entire psalm as prophetically descriptive of his entire ministry. Also his death and his coming resurrection. It's a marvelous picture of our Lord from which we can learn a lot in this work of prayer, I think. So I want to share this with you. And my purpose is um, that we would draw encouragement from it and see in the Lord an example for us in our own suffering and in our own prayer. You see, if, if you've got me on your screens, you see the background behind me. There's a, a doe standing in a field because the prescript title of this psalm is the doe of the morning or the doe of the dawn. And that's part of the scripture, part of originally what David wrote. But it's more than just a throwaway prescript. Um, the stag, the male deer, has a rack of antlers with which to defend himself. The doe has no hardware to defend herself and certainly nothing with which to attack. And if you're a deer hunter, I don't know if there are any deer hunters in this group, but where I live, I know a number of deer hunters. They, they know that she is a very elusive prey. She defends herself by grace, by stealth, by fleetness of foot. And time and time again, she'll sneak up and eat through your apple pile and she's gone before you even see her. She does not present herself to be killed by the hunter. And the image of a hunted doe is actually very befitting of our Lord. If you're not used to thinking that way, you might react by saying, wait, I thought that Jesus was like a lamb. Well, yes, he is. And often in scripture, he's described as a sacrificial lamb. He was like a lamb in the substitutional nature of his death. But in Psalm 22, he is likened to a doe in his ministry. Consider this. Um, remember when Jesus was first born and King Herod sought to snuff out his life early on? Well, Jesus did not turn against Herod to face him and then consume him with a toddler's holy wrath. No, what happened instead? The The... The family picked up and escaped to Egypt. And then upon their return to Judea, Joseph fears that Herod's successor, Archelaus, is now in power. And being warned in a dream, he withdraws again 
This time he heads up north to Galilee, and that's how they ended up settling in Nazareth. The evasion, this kind of evasion, it continued throughout the Lord's ministry. And uh, remember, there was that time where as the people came at him to seize him and throw him off a cliff, he just, he just slips through the crowd by stealth. And when the hostility finally grew to a point when Jesus made plans, or sorry, the Jews made plans to put Jesus to death, then we read in John chapter 11, Jesus therefore no longer walked openly among the Jews, and he went from there to a region near the wilderness. So like the doe, Jesus fled from field to forest to another field, avoiding confrontation with the hunter. Now, what's wrong with this Messiah? <laughs> Is he weak? Is he a coward? Some might say, of course not. We know that's not the case. Jesus fulfilled the scripture, zeal for your house will consume me. He was the least cowardly of all. And yet he was the exact antithesis of the combative Christian, always spoiling for a fight. He extended this invitation to us in Matthew 11. Come to me, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn what? I am gentle and lowly of heart. And he wants us to learn that from him. So Jesus is not only the hunted doe pictured in Psalm 22, but specifically, he becomes the captured doe. The captured doe. The doe in this case doesn't forever remain elusive. If you look at verse, uh, I think 11, or starting in verse 12, you'll see a picture of that. Have you, has anyone ever tried to just run down a doe in a foot race? I mean, you, she probably wouldn't even let you get close, right? She will not be captured unless she wants to. And likewise, nobody could lay a hand on Jesus until such time as he said, now my time has come. And so here in verse 12 of Psalm 22, the doe seemingly just steps out of the wood line and just waits. She presents herself to her hunters, and she stands still and watches them come. And as the sun sets, here they close in, and this time, unlike all the other times, she just stands still. She doesn't move. And in verse 12, we read, Many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like ravening and roaring lions. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like potsherd and my tongue sticks to my, my jaw. You lay me in the dust of death for dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and they gloat over me. So the hunter's wild beasts close in and they gore the doe with their horns. 
his dogs fasten onto her tendons and they rip, they start ripping until they get right down to the bone. This is a stunning image of the Messiah's arrest, his flogging, his crucifixion. And at long last, the elusive doe is brought to ground. And you can see the hunter there almost grinning with a sick satisfaction as his hounds return to him bloody mouthed. For the night is his. He has caught his prey. Have you ever stopped to ask yourself why here, why the doe here is brutalized? So, I mean, a sacrificial lamb was given a quick, clean, ceremonial death. Nowhere in the law do you read that a sacrificial animal is brutalized for sport. So, why? I mean, surely the spotless life of the Son of God alone by itself, it would have been sufficient to pay for the sins of the world. So why does he have to suffer like this? And the answer is actually quite precious. Jesus did not need to suffer this way in order to take away our sin, but it was necessarily so for another purpose. And I find the answer to this question in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10 to 12. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, that is God, should make the founder of their salvation, that is Jesus Christ, perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, and then he quotes Psalm 22, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So the answer to the question is, Jesus suffered to be a help to us in our temptation. The captured doe suffered to help us. And Psalm 22 then ends with a third picture. Not just the hunted doe and the captured doe, but finally the doe at dawn, after which it is entitled. Verse 22 and through 31. I'll leave you read those for yourself. But the picture is, is powerful. After the powers of darkness have done their worst and God himself has poured out his wrath on his son, then the daylight breaks. And there standing on the crest of the hill is the doe. At dawn, whole, not torn anymore, radiant, majestic. Even so, the resurrected Lord in the garden tomb says to Mary of Magdala, remember, go to my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to my father and to your father, to my God and to your God. And he said this in exquisite fulfillment of Psalm 22, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. You know that 
At any time he wished Jesus could have been a lion instead of a doe? The disciples certainly didn't understand this fact. Remember there was that time when the Samaritans refused to receive them? And so indignant, James and John, they said, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to consume them? But Jesus rebuked them. And remember in Gethsemane, Peter drew his sword and just started hacking away. And Jesus says, sheathe your sword, Peter. Do you not think I can call on my father and instantly have 12 legions of angels at my command? We live in a day of rising tides of darkness where men cherish wickedness and they even outlaw righteousness. And I think there is still alive among Christians a certain spirit of belligerence, a readiness to hit back, to shake a fist against the godless power structures, to defy their wicked laws, to ally ourselves with anyone else who feels the same way. And before you know it, you're trusting in horses and chariots to accomplish what only the name of the Lord can do. It's ironic that Peter should have been praying in Gethsemane, but he fell asleep. But then he had no problem fighting when he should have held his peace. Stephen's email this morning, Romans 13, verse 11, I think it captures it all. It is easier to fight in the flesh than to do battle in the spirit. And I wonder how well do we understand this today so that we can pray aright. Make no mistake, brothers and sisters, do not forget the lion is coming. When Christ returns, he won't ride into the city gates on the back of a donkey this time. He will ride on the back of a white steed of battle. And from his mouth shall proceed a sword with which he will slay the nations. But that is not this day. Not yet. How then ought we to live? How then ought we to pray? I want to hear the answer from Peter, who I think learned this lesson from Jesus, the doe of the dawn. He writes in his epistle, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you could follow his steps. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Amen. Well, I hope that helps us today in the place of prayer.